Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. fifth episode of social suplexes podcast about aew with the proclivity for positivity welcome to all things elite my name is austin someone's i am your lovely host for this show in this evening and i am joined with my best friend my good buddy floyd how you doing my man i am doing well uh i just got older a few days ago yeah yeah uh so and it's cool because Dynamite was on my birthday, which uh, it, it, it brings mixed it brings mixed feelings because yeah. I was supposed to be there, but I was not. We will move on from that, so we're not sad place. We like to stay positive <laughs> around here. I got my gift from your sister, Miss yeah. and my other podcast partner. It's like I spend Saturday with Austin, Sunday with Sydney. It works out for me. She got a picture framed. It was our picture from Double or Nothing, I believe. All three of us taking pictures. Yeah, I, hel- I helped her. I helped her find that photo because she told me about the idea, and I'm like, that sounds awesome. So I, I helped her find that picture. So I got that picture, and it's gonna be on my desk in my office, and it made me happy, brightened my Saturday because I was kind of bored today. <laughs> Well, we're glad we were, we're glad we were able to help you out with that. Yeah, we love that you have a weekend full of summerwitzes. Yes, yes, I, I enjoy that also. Uh, yeah, got my new microphone today. It is super, super sensitive, and I'm not using it right now because I have to <laughs> learn how to use it. Um, yeah, got to figure that and f- out. For full disclosure, you 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 got a Blue Yeti USB microphone, correct? I did get a Blue Yeti USB microphone. Me and which Steve is actually have that the is the mic that I'm using. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Cindy so has got, a yeah. Yeah, we're all Blue Yeti. Yeah, so Cindy has the Nano, I believe, which is a different brand. It's slightly smaller, but um, I believe we have the same uh, same mic. So I will be helping you figure that out. No, me and uh, me and Sydney have the same one. Oh, so you have the Nano too? Okay, yeah, I have just the basic Blue Yeti then. Okay, see, I didn't know there was any difference. <laughs> it's a, it's it's bigger and it has uh, different uh, uh, things you can do. So like different. Uh, 
formats of how you want to use your mic. So instead of just cardioid and uh, omnidirectional, it has different formats that you can put it in. Dude. But, yeah. I don't, but yeah, pretty much the same thing. As though, a person much. that's been doing podcasting four years, I, some, I know surprisingly little about the equipment that you use to record said podcasting. Because the guy that got me into it just kind of, he already had his system and how he did things set up. So he was just like, just keep doing it this way. And I was like, okay, I'll just keep doing oh, yeah. it that way. No, it took me a while too because like I, I had a, I worked with a, a, a company that just had gear for us to use. So I was just like, I just came in and did my thing. But then once we moved away from that, I was like, well, now I got to figure out how to do all this stuff by myself. So I better figure out good microphones and audio editing and stuff like that. So I totally yeah. get where you're coming from. Yeah, like I said, I was talking to you, and you were like, "How do you do this? Do you want me to send your audio?" I was like, well, "What? What are you? Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "I have no idea." I was like, "You? It was like you? Like I, I'm on IT, and it was like you were speaking a foreign language to me because just because you work on computers don't know you mean you know everything about it. Like you can work in my space, which is IT, which is you know, making sure software works right and your computer's up, then you can work in your space that you're more familiar with, which is audio editing, you know, sound and quality and stuff. And those are two completely different spaces. But, yeah, tech is just a super deep field. Yes, but if you talk to someone and you tell them you work on computers, they expect you to know 100% about both. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I never do this part of it. I just put on a headset and talk about wrestling for an hour or two every week, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know the details of it, you know. So yeah, it's it's fun. I I like to learn that kind of stuff, so I look forward to learning, uh, learning as much as I can about making the sound quality as good as possible. So that yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that point too. So uh, we'll we'll get that all sorted out. But anyway, yeah. enough of our tech mumble jumble babble. We're here to talk about all things elite and AEW for this week. Um, but before we get into that, I want to remind you guys and start off the show that this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe, right onto your laptop and mobile devices. And if you use the code Social Suplex, you get your first month free and I want to make sure that you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you could, please leave a rating and a review if you are so inclined to. And if you want, you can also leave a donation through our new podcast provider, Red Circle. And be sure to support us by following us on Twitter. You follow the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Be sure to follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at SZoomer4 and follow my buddy Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. On Twitter. Now let's get into the big news of the week for AEW, and the big news is just rolling into the into uh, Fighter Fest, where the road continues on before we get to Fighter Fest, that two week event, which is just slowly just building and building and building, and I'm getting more and more excited at the the closer we get to it, and especially with how Dynamite and uh, Being the Elite has been building this show up, I'm getting really excited to see how they pull it off. So. What do you, how are you feeling leading into Fighter Fest, Floyd? I'm excited. Uh, we got some kind of match announcements. Uh, we saw a little build-up uh, this week on the, each of the shows. I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
I, I see Fighter Fest is just like their other shows like they did last year, like it was last year. It's something between a TV and a pay-per-view, so it's a little bit more than the TV and not quite a pay-per-view. I'm hoping a lot of people tune into the TV. I hope we can bust that million. I know that's putting a lot of pressure on that show, but I want to I wanna pop that million, Jerry. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's do it, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to... I want to break a million those two weeks and get everybody, make sure everybody's uh, watching. So yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Make sure you tell your people that don't watch to watch. Yeah, be sure to tell everybody to tune in. And also, I'm going to be very interested to see how many people who turn tune into the first week actually stick around for the second week because that's going to be a huge indicator of how many people are going to continue to follow it. So that's that's going to be really interesting. Um, some other interesting stuff we saw this week uh, in Being the Elite. We had an episode titled Colonoscopy, I, I, which yes, <laughs> did you watch? You, it? You've yet to. I have watched it. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I turned thirty nine this week. Uh, not just trying to pop myself for saying my birthday again, but next year I turn forty. Mm-hmm. So guess what I get to start doing once again? <laughs> exactly what he described on VTE colonoscopy. And when he uh describing this thing to me, it is It's something. It is something and it just sounds like dreadful. Like I was <laughs> like, man, I'm turning forty. Woo woo. I'm big party for my 40th birthday. Oh, you're going to have to drink uh, a chalky oatmeal type substance on an empty stomach so where you empty out your colon so they can stick a camera up your butt. I will tell you right now, this is why I'm so happy that I'm currently 23 years old. I am so, <laughs> so happy I got some time. I got yeah. some time. And it was like, it was like seriously watching that and I was like, it, it it didn't ruin my day, but I thought about it for a few hours. <laughs> I mean, how could you not? He he very much went into detail about it, and uh, which is kind of a thing that I didn't really ask for. But I mean, it was entertaining to hear him talk about it, I guess. But I mean, like, I just don't need that image necessarily well, you know, in my head. You know, BTE started as a travel blog, just behind the scenes on what wrestlers go through. And this, this is very behind, behind the, the scenes. scenes. You can't get more behind the scenes than CD telling you about. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's crazy, you know. Like, you know, full disclosure, I've had my prostate checked, right? And, again, Congrats. it's not It's not comfortable. It is not. It, it is It is the, the weirdest most like, if someone took a picture of that me or what video of me getting my prostate checked, I would kill them so that picture or video would never get out because <laughs> I could just imagine how it looks. It is a medical procedure, completely normal, but it looks really, really weird. Now, I take that, and I feel like I'll multiply it by 10 with someone sticking a camera up there and looking around. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. first off, <laughs> glad CD had a fun time filming yeah. his segment yeah. for BE, BTE. Hey, glad so there good, was no good issues. For CD. Glad, you know, burnt off a few polyps, and he, he seems to be good now. But yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah I am like, like that. That time is gonna. The next year is gonna move faster because I am dreading it. 
just just take it day by day. Take it day by day. Take it day by day. We uh, we also had another segment uh, which I'm glad I really want to talk about because it's slowly becoming another one of my faves. Uh, which is Kenny Omega just slowly bending his will to Colt Cabana because he is terrified of Chris Harrington. Which I mean, I get it. I totally get it. Dude just seems like he's a wild card. You don't know how to put a handle on him, but Colt had a segment he tried to do his bit of the bit of the week and it uh had a little bit of trouble, a little bit of flubbing going through it as a audio man and as a on air personality. I get it. You just gotta push through it. You get through it and you'll be able to make it through without stumbling over your words and being like, Wait, I gotta do it again. I get it, Colt. You'll get through it. But Kenny is like gonna he's saying he's gonna try to find a way to get Colt off the show and even off Dynamite as long as Chris Harrington's not there. Because if he's there, we're just gonna ignore the situation. That is yeah, it's it is hilarious because uh Chris, you know, it, it's one of those weird things. I have this kind of weird history because Chris used to do this show called WrestleNomics. And it was on the uh, Voices Wrestling Network. And I was a pretty much a loyal listener of WrestleNomics. And everyone kept saying, well, Chris Harrington's going to be on this. Chris Harrington's going to be on that. And I'm like, not that one. And I found out it's the same one. Then I got to meet him at a couple of the shows when he's just walking around, you know, how they do with StarCast. He's the most unassuming human being ever. And the fact that Kenny Omega's afraid of him is hilarious to me. Not <laughs> saying he couldn't kick my ass, but I'm just saying I'm not, based on looking at him, I'm not going to be afraid of him. <laughs> I love that guy. I yeah, do. sure. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, Yeah, Chris Harrington is, uh, yeah, and the, the ability for him to snap. So he used to talk about on his shows, he would be in improv competitions. He's like, you know, in, improv comedian or whatever. So yeah. I'm glad I'm I'm glad he's getting a chance to uh, share his acting chops on BTE. I am too. Yeah, that's he's done a really really good job, and like I said, it's become one of my favorite segments. Um, one last thing I want to talk about with being the elite was the segment with Matt Jackson. As we've seen over the past few weeks, certain things Matt has been trying to get out of, whether it be meetings, whether it be media, or other sort of things that he just doesn't want to deal with. So he seems to uh, just try to get his way out of it by either gigging or applying flake blood or blading. Um, But this time he didn't have his blade. He didn't have any fake blood, it seemed like. So he had to try to find a way to bust himself open the hard way. He tried doing it with the door. didn't go well. tried doing it by going down the slide into the ground. didn't work out. He then proceeded to do something just completely horrific. We all saw the horrific bump that Sammy Guevara took at the stadium stampede match. But I, I would like to say that cannot compare to what we saw in being the elite this week. Matt Jackson went headfirst into a case of Legos. Fuck that hurts. Yeah, that is, that's man. That is how you uh, end up in the hospital there. I, I don't know if any of you. We're ever... just lucky. We're just lucky he didn't puncture multiple veins and ended up with a concussion because that that was that was GCW levels of dangerous. Yes, it's like it's like you know someone's like, oh, I'm gonna go into some Legos. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? 
Are you are you gonna do this? I don't know why Matt would do that to himself. Just, what just he, rethink. What he does. Uh, what he does to uh to. I will say we had a nice uh super kick attempt from his uh from his from his from his shot. Yes. Uh, what he does to entertain yeah. us on BTE, we don't deserve. We don't deserve Matt Jackson. We really don't, honestly. It's just, and good on him. He got out of the Zoom call, so there yeah. you go. But those are the highlights we saw from being the elite. Um, moving into AEW Dark, we had some matches that took place that will go down the card. We had SCU taking on Fuego del Sol and Lowrider, and SCU ended up getting the victory with Fuego taking the pinfall. We had a new joining of the Dark Order with Alan Angels actually joining the Dark Order, becoming number five. And then he took on Lee Johnson immediately after, ended up picking the vic- picking up the victory, in fact. Uh, Musa and Brady, Pe- Brady Pierce took on Pride and Powerful. And uh, they uh, Pride and Powerful ended up take- getting the victory. My apologies. We then had uh, QT showing off the natural nightmare shirt and uh he is still accompanied by Allie who is just slowly slowly continuing to move deeper and deeper into the circle that is the nightmare family and just people around QT are not digging it at all but QT does not care anymore he is just fully over the moon in love like you wouldn't imagine as you that's can tell his girl that's, that's his girl and like you know what can't can't really argue with you. I mean, everyone's saying for QT to get eyes in the back of his head, but I'm just like, I can't say anything. I'm just like, I would be acting the exact same way. So we've said this before. Like, I totally get it, QT. Like, you don't have to explain anything else to us. We then had the Butcher and the Blade taking on uh, Anthony Cantana and Pineapple Pete. Butcher and Blade ended up getting the victory. And then QT had his match against Zach Clayton that he picked up. And then Sonny Kiss took on CD okay. in a uh, – yeah, yeah, I wanted you to talk about this match because you had something to say about this. Uh, yeah, this match was surprisingly good. Like, I, every time I've seen Sonny Kiss wrestle, I've wanted to see him wrestle more. And every time I've – you know, and CD is one of the greatest of all time. So CD has the dual – like, multiple roles in the company, I imagine. And I was just like – I was wondering how this match was going to be. And I, I and it was one of the few matches on Dark. You look at the matchup, you don't know who was... You didn't know who was going to win. Like, all the rest of the matches, it's pretty... Pre, you know, Dark is pretty predictable. It's a bunch of um, jobber matches. But CD is going against Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss is one of the young talent. He doesn't lose a lot. CD is, you know older talent he's lost before so i was like man we could go either way they went out and really put on a good match i i don't uh i don't know how many of you might skip dark if you happen to skip dark watch the cd and sunny kiss match it was actually very entertaining i also really enjoyed that match i was very surprised i think that i had the very same opinion about you with sunny kiss where i was like i really like the character, I like the, the the look, I like everything about it. I just need to see more in-ring stuff because I was like, I've seen bits and pieces in certain areas like Battle Royals and other sort of stuff on Dark, but I was like, if I can get a really good, just solid match to just see her work with somebody, I think uh, we'll see him work with somebody, I would be really down to see that. 
And him and CD did really good. I was and, actually I was surprised with that. And interesting enough, I found out on social media, Sunny Kiss can be identified as him or her. It does not matter. Okay, I was like I was gonna say I didn't actually see what her identifications were or what she her pronouns were looking for. So I'm glad that you actually pointed it out because I was hoping yeah, that no, I didn't no, no. flip Jim on that Ross style. called her her on a show and everybody went out. And I, he, he was like, I was informed by Sonny that uh, that he sh- can be referred to he or she. You can use the he or she pronoun, and it works for Sonny all day long. So can't good go to wrong know. There. Good to know, and I'm think it's I'm, I think it's really good for fans to know that as well because it's uh it's uh yeah I think it's just really cool to know. And then finally, the last match we had on Dark was Jurassic Express taking on the very, 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 very bad team of Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, who will never get along, ever, and will just just can't get a win when they team together. It just I don't know why they continue to do so, because it just doesn't work out. Jurassic Express ended up getting the victory. Those two need to sort their shit out, because they just, they can get, I feel like they both can get a win, just not with each other. Yes, uh, Brandon is actually, if I was, like, listing my top five in AEW, he's in my top five. Uh, it's just, I love a good, I love a good story, and he's just a very down-to-earth, chill dude, and I just love a good story, and the whole idea of him going away from wrestling, coming back, doing the video for Young Bucks, never, even though, I guarantee you, I will tell you right now, if I would have, I would have begged the Young Bucks for a job. But the fact that he was doing all that stuff and never asked for a job, never asked for a favor, that's, that blows my mind. Dude, I, I, I was raised with closed mouth, don't get fed. So I, I'd, I'd, have asked him, I'd asked him as soon as, oh, AEW, uh, can I have a job? But the fact mm-hmm. that he never did that is, always blows my mind away. So Brandon Cutler's a favorite of mine. And I kind of, I, I love this storyline about him and Peter getting uh, who's going to get the first win. Now, I think what something would be hilarious is if you take those two and you put them against another team that loses all the time, right? And uh, so Brandon hits his move or whatever, and he's about to get the pin. And Avalon wants to be the one that pins him, so he pulls Brandon off of him, right? Yeah. And then that costs him the match. That would be hilarious. That would be a really good, actually. That would be a really good finish, <laughs> it, it, I think. I just watched it, and this one, I was like, dude, what if they were winning, and then Peter Avalon, like, screwed them out of a win because he didn't want Brandon to get the pin. Of course, yeah. Brandon might do the same thing. He doesn't want Peter to get the pin because, you know, if Peter gets the pin, he's going to talk shit to Brandon. He's going to be like, well, I'm one and oh, I won, you didn't, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. That that would be an amazing finish. And going on with uh, Cutler as well, I really like, I don't remember, was the promo on Dynamite or was it on uh, Being the Elite where he talked about just everything that he had experienced being in the first match of AEW in the Double or Nothing Casino Battle Royale, slowly moving on and just talking about his career, but then just talking about how he's kind of just hit a complete slump with this losing streak. And I like the different elements that they're slowly, that they're slowly putting in his character, because I think having those different elements helps 
helps a lot with this character because I think the character of just being the young buck's friend and being just a fan of D and D is a little too like isn't enough. I feel like I think they're really starting to try to in implant implement more levels to her, to his character, which I think is definitely needed, and I think is something that can make him even better than he is. And that promo he cut was with that interview was actually I really really liked that. So I'm I I, I I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Brandon Cutler, and I think just adding more to his character is just gonna make it even better. I love his super new big D twenty die. Yeah, it is huge. He he explained he had it was custom made by I believe a gaming shop made it so because the other other dice wouldn't show up on camera. So or die wouldn't have show up on camera. Uh, so uh, he had a big one made. I th- I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. Like I said, I just dig Brandon Cutler. It's like I know people like he loses all the time, but it's like that's the thing about AEW. He loses all the time, but it's a storyline, right? You know, yeah. QT. He's everyone's like, oh, he's just Cody's friend. He has a storyline. Like everybody in the show. You know, even the lower characters has something that they're building to. It's, they're not all going to build the world title matches or world title, you know, or uh, or belt, but they're leading to something. And I just think that is, to me, like, the best because, and again, this is not to shit on WWE because that's not what I do and that's what not the show is about. But as a person that's been watching wrestling long, uh, long enough, when you see that you have like favorite wrestlers that are not on TV and stuff, you wonder why they can't have storylines like these. You know what I mean? Like little storylines. You know, like Ricochet right now. You know, why can't he have like he's losing his confidence storyline? You know, why can't those things exist inside the world? And in AEW, it just, and like I said, this was just a compare and contrast, but AEW, yes, there is a a full like Brandon and Peter have a full-on rivalry going on over who's gonna get their first win. And I'm like, this could go on for three years if they wanted it to. You know, look, all they gotta do is keep losing. And actually, the more he loses, the more interesting the storyline is. And then you have like QT in the alley thing. It's like QT's like a trainer. You know what I mean? He's not a wrestler. You know now, and now he have a full-on storyline the natural nightmares thing that leads from dark that's leading into dynamite come on yeah. that's just entertaining that's just like everything that you see matters you know what i mean it's you it's using it's utilizing your your roster to its fullest potential because i will say this is and it's not a knock on wwe they have one of the biggest and most stacked pro wrestling rosters that you've seen them have in a very long time just the fact that not like that like rarely half of those guys and girls get utilized to their full potential is just heartbreaking because you just imagine that if they could just make sure everyone has something going on like the amount of content they could make especially considering they have a three-hour show on raw smackdown nxt and then there are like other shows that they decide to film as well they could have everybody getting some good shit in, but I yeah. don't know. It's yeah. just, but the, but what AEW is doing is just utilizing the roster as best as you can. Yeah, Allen Angels, a jobber, has a storyline. He's in the Dark Order now. 
There you go. Along with it, Preston Vance, who they're building up. The Beaver Boys, who everybody thought, oh, John Moxley beat them both in like two minutes. And that wasn't like a thing. But that all led to them joining the Dark Order. It just makes sense. And it's just like, that's just beautiful. It's like, you can watch Dark. You can watch BTE. You can get as involved or uninvolved with the product as you want. If you could just turn in on Wednesdays and watch TV, and you'll be fine. But if you want that extra layer of information, you have all these other ways to watch it. And you're rewarded for watching all those other stuff. It's not like where you'll turn on a like a C show on a wrestling show, and you just watch, and you're like, there was really no need for me to watch that. It just didn't. It didn't really add anything else to the story. If you watch Dark and you watch Being the Elite, stuff gets added to your enjoyment, and the payoffs get better just from consuming more content. So just them doing that is just a better way to make the show feel more complete. But anyways, yeah, that I, was... I completely oh, agree with you. That's all I was saying. All right, cool. With that out of the way, let's get to AEW Dynamite for this week. We opened up, first of all, with Le Champion Chris Jericho. Coming back to do commentary, yes, thank you, thank you so much. As a man, like I said before, I'm a big fan of commentary being done well, and especially wrestlers who can show off their commentary chops. Jericho does a very good job, and I was very happy to see him back on the show on commentary. It's it's always nice for me to see. It's just a nice little adjustment, and he he adds a lot to the show. He does. He is amazing. But if he's going to be on there, <laughs> someone else has to leave. You know, I, I was going to say, I didn't want to go too hard on it. Four-person four commentary teams aren't, I don't love them. They're just somebody's going to get squashed out, and, like, you're not going to be able to get your shit in. It just felt, it felt crowded. And let's just say, I always think of, since Dynamite's fairly young, I always think about, what if this was someone's first episode? True. That was a lot coming at them four different voices. And it's like, well, who's saying what? Who's the color guy? Who's the commentary guy? Why is Jericho there? I could see them asking those questions. That's just putting myself in that position. I I found him basically taking shots at everybody while still putting them over was hilarious. Like, he, he makes fun of Excalibur for knowing all the moves, but he says, hey, that guy knows everything. So, He's like, well, Jim Ross is a legend, and then says something about barbecue sauce. It was just so weird. It was like only Chris Jericho could do what he did because he was burying them and putting them over at the same time. Yeah, only he could make that work. I am personally of the opinion, and this is not a slight to any of the members of the team or anything. I am personally of the opinion two-person commentary teams is what I like most. Everybody's able to get their shit in when there's a two-person commentary team. There's not a lot of room of, like, clutter, and it's easier to understand. Three people I can deal with. It's been that way for years now. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of it, I can deal with it, and I'll accept it. Like I said, once you get to four people, I'm just like, okay, we got we to gotta chill here. Yeah. Like when WrestleMania would have, like, a bu- like every commentator from Raw and SmackDown and then even NXT. I'm like, we gotta chill here. I can barely tell who's talking with this many people on commentary and especially 
This will be my one slide against WWE. With how overproduced their commentary is, having that many people just makes it even worse. The only reason I'm taking a slide at that is because I'm very critical of their commentary. Anyways, enough yeah. with that. Yeah, because, like, I find it weird, like, when I'm listening to AEW, Excalibur and Tony Schiavone, I love both of them, but they kind of do the same job. Mm-hmm. I do think I do think they both deserve to be there. It's just it's a weird thing. We're just so used to three man teams. It's just like and plus they're they 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 both add something, but it's just they kind of like like I said, somebody's gonna blend with somebody. Yeah, Excalibur and Taz I think is a great team, right? And I think if they did Tony and Jim Ross, that would be a fine team. But it's just like when you throw Excalibur and Tony, they're guys that essentially do the same job. They at times can step on each other. I, I think it's fine. Don't get me wrong. Cause I I am one of those people. I don't. I put very little stock in commentating. I just you know watch wrestling. I I, 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 I I like it, it. Does not bother me. Like I've heard people say Jim Ross is like bad, and I'm just like he's not. He's not. And it's like now when he did the New Japan shows, he was actively he actively took away from the wrestling. That is when you're bad to me. When I am so much, I am paying attention to you instead of the wrestling. That's why I think Tony Schiavone's so good. Because he just lets what in the ring tells the story. Excalibur does that too. You know, they just let the, the ring work. Excalibur does it with uh, knowing every move name. Tony Schiavone explains a little bit of the strategy that goes in it. They do it different ways, but they let the, they extenuate you telling the story. Now, like I said, because they both do the same job, it does sometimes they bump into each other. That's why I love Excalibur and Taz on Dark. They have two clear roles, and then they do it. It's just, like I said, on Dynamite, Dynamite, you know, they've only worked together, what, six months? Yeah. Give them more time, they they will fall right into place on what they do. Yeah. First off, I'm hurt that you say you don't pay attention to commentary, but we'll get we'll get past it. We'll get past it. It'll I will pay fun. attention to it when you're doing the commentary. Okay, I accept that. <laughs> we started off tonight's dynamite with the official AEW in-ring debut of FTR as they took on the Butcher and the Blade after their little encounter during FTR's interview with Tony Schiavone at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I want to say headquarters. We'll just call it headquarters. So after their encounter, Dax and Cash said, we're going to meet like businessmen. Let's meet in the ring. And this was their first match on Dynamite. And yep, yep, I'm just, I I have no notes. I'm just happy they're here. I'm just happy they're here. I'm sure you have notes on this match. I was just, I was just like, they're here. I'm happy. I can't, I can't add anything else. I'm just, yes. Let me do my thing. Let's go. This was my first birthday gift from AEW. My favorite tag team in the world, uh, FTR showing up. Um, it I I called it after the match. If anyone of you follow a, uh, the ATE, a, oh, excuse me, AT Elite Pod on Twitter, I called it a love letter to tag team wrestling. This match. The reason I said that, and people are like, oh man, that's overblown. Everything they did. They everything they did in the match. I mean, they had their in ring with their work, but everything was just taking a little bit from something that another tag team used to do. Like uh, when they threw in the ropes and they both just did the double arm smash 
uh, uh, arm, arm, double arm smash, I believe it was to the blade. That was uh, something uh, Demolition used to do. They then did the suplex and uh, splash combination. That was the finisher of Power and Glory. They then uh, did the spike pile driver uh, to end, uh, end the match. That was the finisher of the Brain Busters. It was like they went through a list of their favorite tag teams and did the move. Even Cash uh, Wheeler, when he came off the ropes with the drop kick, that was something Mr. Perfect used to do. It was like the revival was literally, you know, taking little pieces from wrestling history and letting it play out on the match. So it was like, wow. You know, and then it's like, even their uh, Shatter Machine is now called the Good Night Express. Uh, a tip to the hat to their favorite tag team of all time, the Midnight Express. And then uh, I forgot what they called the uh, the Spike Pile Driver or the Stuff Pile Driver. I forgot what they called it as a finisher. Does it say on the uh, review what they call it? I mean, let me take a look real quick. Yeah. Uh, the, the so the Spike the Spike Pile Driver you said? Yes. Um. No, I don't believe it is. I yeah. don't believe. Uh, oh wait, the mind, mind breaker. the mind breaker stuff pile driver. Yes, so they I did the mind breaker, and it was just like that goes back to old school when uh you know tag teams had finishers, the heart attack, the vegematic, the doomsday device, where tag team finishers used to have names, and you see it on AEW. Uh, Excalibur is very good at that. I don't know if he gets it from the wrestlers and comes up with himself, but it's just like like I said. Very much a match that if you were paying attention, <laughs> if you were paying attention, or if you've been watching wrestling a long time, they literally just said they pinned. This is who we're gonna be going forward. They they put together a bunch of moves that you know, like Power and Glory didn't look like the revival, and it's like these teams did, and it's just it was just like a bunch of tips of the cap to great wrestling of the past. Absolutely, it was just such a such a fun time just to oh, see them there. I forgot the leapfrog spiral slam. They called it Buzz Sawyer, but for somebody, Buzz Sawyer was probably a little bit before my time. I think he was late seventies, early eighties. But Rick Steiner used to do that. He'd come off the oh. verse and you try to leapfrog it, and he turn it into a power slam. So that was their shout out to the Steiner brothers. That was the one I missed. Their uh, shout out to the Steiner brothers. It was just like, and like me who. Seriously, my favorite thing in wrestling is tag team wrestling. I'm just sitting there with my mouth w wide open like, ah, uh, wrestling orgasm. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, 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 barely, I barely noticed any of that, so I'm glad that you pointed that out. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> wise, man. We say wise. We don't say old around here. We say wise. Yeah. Now, after this match took place, the Young Bucks came out and – they just said, we don't want to be rude. That match was great. We want to congratulate you. You two helped us out of a jam. But we kind of, you didn't introduce yourselves to us. So we'll introduce ourselves to you. We're the best tag team in the world. We're the Young Bucks. It's nice to meet you finally. But then Butcher and Blade get their revenge and attack the Young Bucks. And then Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, the super bad squad, which I love that name. They attacked them as well. But then the AEW Tag Team Champions, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, even the odds. And then they chase them out. 
and Jim Ross just said it's right now. It's DTA. Don't trust anybody right now because we don't know what's going to go on with the Young Bucks and FTR. We're just we're just waiting to see when it all kicks off. But see, see if, if the Young Bucks don't know what's coming, they're 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 an ostrich just because yep. they like, basically huh? yeah because FTR's basically said they're going to beat them up on every podcast. Station that they've been on. <laughs> they said we're gonna beat them up. We can't wait for this to happen. So this is like, yeah. I mean, they, uh, they my did wife, off Twitter. my wife is over there, and she's like, even I know that, and I don't even pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Look, like, maybe getting Twitter wasn't the best decision for them in terms of yeah. scoping out the competition. Yeah, I don't like, know. FTR has told everybody that they're basically gonna beat up the young ones. <laughs> yep, pretty much so. They better be. They better be ready for that. Yeah. Um, we had a backstage segment with the Natural Nightmares, and this is one of our new segments for what's going to be on next week's Dynamite. It was announced that the Natural Nightmares will be getting an AEW Tag Team Title match against Omega and, and Adam Page. However, Dustin was just going after QT because Allie was there and had her own uh, Nightmare Family jacket, and he's like, "Look, we need." We need you to be in this. We need you to be focused for when we have this match. This is huge for us. So QT seemed like he understood, but not really. But kind of, but not really. So that's going to be on next week's Dynamite. And with Allie there, it's just you can only have so much hope for the Natural Nightmares to win this. But then you realize, I don't know if QT is going to be able to pull this off. We know Dustin will come in, but... I don't know about QT at this point in time. He's got other things on his mind, as you can see. I like the random title shot that they're getting, because for the life of me, I don't know who the Natural Nightmares beat to get a title shot, which is, hey, I, I don't get it. But, you know, but I am very excited with the whole Alley storyline of it all, especially with Dustin banning her from ringside. And, you know, he's the elder statesman of this team, so, you know, QT's listening, but it's just like, that's his girl. You know, he's supposed to bring her out there. And Brandy's the manager, and, you know, she's she's the organizer of the group. It's very, like I said, I don't know where this is going to go off. I mean, I, like I said, I have my theory that this is all to get back at Brandy and screwing, and screwing with Brandy's life. Maybe I'm wrong. We will see. Yeah, and I will say I don't believe that Allie is going to follow uh, Dustin's order. I feel like she might still show her pretty face to mess with QT a little bit. But well, My biggest beef is she got a Nightmare Family jacket. Hope Cody yeah! made, I hope Cody made her made QT pay for that. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, uh... <sighs> yeah, that is questionable. Yeah, that is questionable. I question That's... it. What has it been, like... Four weeks? Yeah. Like and then that. all of a sudden she's got a jacket. Yeah, it's kind of like... She's in the family already? I mean, it's earned. Bro, this is earned. As somebody, as somebody who has, has famously rushed into bad relationships, this is just another level of rushing, bro. It's like you're taking a Indy 500 car and running it off a cliff. Oh, AEW did make it make sense. So QT and Dustin are the number two... Uh, contenders in the rankings this week. We're not going to go through the rankings. If you uh, go to All Elite Wrestling Twitter, they put them out every Wednesday. 
Well, they're the number two team, so they get a title shot this week because the number one contenders don't get a title shot until so Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest. So it actually makes sense. There you go. Yeah. So now, now we know. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, it's but, just a little bit of a it's just a little bit of a warm up matchup kind of. Yeah. For when Omega and Hangman end up going to Fighter Fest. So. But and they're undefeated as a tag team, so we got to see this. Yeah, we're gonna have to see what happens after this. We had. The AEW Women's World Champion, Hikaru Shida, my girl, teaming with Chris Statlander to take on the native beast, Nyla Rose, and Penelope Ford. Hikaru Shida's birthday was on the 11th. It was, yes. I was so happy to see that. And, yeah, I was just, yeah, I was super excited. Uh, I made sure to wish her happy birthday on Instagram. We had this tag match. Uh, was a very fun match, I think. I... Just, I'm, I'm really enjoying to see. I'm, I'm looking more, more to see, uh, Sheeta defend her championship. I was, it was nice to see Chris Statlander again. I was really nice to see her, and Nyla Rose and Penelope Ford worked really well together, and I was, um, very excited to, uh, just see. I just want to see what Sheeta does for the, uh, for the, for her title run because I just want to see who she uh, takes on. But the match finished with uh, Sheeta. Uh, running into the ropes, but Kip Sabian grabbed her leg while the ref was distracted. Penelope Ford knocked her out and actually with the with the title, and she was able to pin Hikaru Shida. But man, we know that bridge yeah. on the Hangman suplex that she gets, man, that's impressive. That I is, mean, yeah, she has like one of the most deep, the deepest bridges I've seen in wrestling. I mean, it's just like if you look at the angle of her body, it's like I don't know how she does that. I, I did. It, I it did. I did gymnastics. I don't know how she does it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I was like, how she the angle that she's at, it looks like, and she can because she gets higher on it than everyone else. I'm like, I don't know. Just watch anybody that does a German and holds or a fisherman suplex and holds. It is pretty impressive how uh, how able the angle that she's able to get on her bridge. Yeah, I I just I can't even explain it. It just doesn't make any sense physically, but. Hell, hell yeah, she can do it. But yeah, Penelope Ford, yeah, she gets the pinfall for her team. But obviously, with that title shot, it it definitely did something. But getting a pin on the on the champion is definitely something we could see her getting a title shot in the future. Yeah, I am uh, really excited that uh, I'm really excited uh, with the possibility of that match. Uh, Penelope Ford, the first time I saw her wrestle was. I believe I might have seen her wrestle before. It was the first time she had a focus. It was uh, NWA 70th anniversary. She was wrestling against um, Jazz, and I, you know, she she did her backflip elbow spot, and but it was basically a squash by Jazz. And I was just like, well, she might have something. And I honestly can say, ever since then, she's done nothing but get better. And you know. She might, you know, she might be a future top contender in this company. Yeah, we'll have to see what she does if she does end up getting a title match or what she does next. Yeah, absolutely. We, we then had a six-man tag match between Best Friends and OC, Orange Cassidy, taking on the Inner Circle, specifically Jake Hager and Santana and Ortiz. And yes, I was very much excited to see OC and best friends actually team together again because I don't believe we've seen them team together that often in six-man uh, matches but I was also excited to see Jake Hager back in the ring and overall 
these guys did a really fun match. I was surprised to see um, how the match ended. But uh, do you re- before we get to what happened after the match, do you want to add anything to specifically what you thought about this match? Uh, to the to the match, um, Jake Hager, Beast Hager, Bomb. Uh, I I really dig that. Uh, you know, he uh, he took that from you know homage to Vader, and calling to Hager Bomb is good. Um, then we uh. Orange Cassidy, when, because of his sloth-like nature, when he heats up, it's the best hot exchange in wrestling. Oh, he yeah. doesn't even need a hot tag. He kind of hot tags himself because you don't. he does a good job of when the bursts come. Like, everything he does is pretty mundane, you know, by wrestling standards. But because he sets you up so long... By doing nothing, and you don't know when it's come, you find yourself jumping up and really being into the moment because you don't know when the house of fire is gonna end. So I just, I just thought that was, I thought that was like the one of the more impressive things because you know Trent can go, Chuck can go, everybody else in the ring is amazing, but Orange Cassidy, it's just, I, I've been trying to since I first saw him, I've been trying to put my finger on what makes him special. And it's just like, like that was like that whole th- idea of the stop and start. He's like the natural change up. It, it's amazing. Oh, hundred percent. He's like, he doesn't try, but when he does, he's, he's one of the best. And I think that's a really, really fun character art to go with. He pretty much took out each member of the inner circle in that and eventually was able to get a roll up on Ortiz to get the pinfall. Jericho was not happy about that on commentary and proceeded to go into the ring and take his baseball bat that he brought out to commentary and knock him in the head and just bust him open. He then grabs a a bag of, they said it was blood oranges, and they said it was about 20 pounds of them, and he just swings it at him and... Like, you could tell he was making some good contact, too, because I'm pretty sure I saw the oranges were just leaking. Like, and it was like, they left, no pun intended, they left Orange, Orange Cassidy in, in a complete pulp. Yes, he said Orange Cassidy got juiced. And again, if I said that in real life, all my friends would go womp womp. But uh, good old Jericho says it. And it's over, and it's probably going to be on a t-shirt one day. Uh, Blood Orange Cassidy is is the thing. I Orange Cassidy juicing on, I, didn't, I honestly didn't even mean the pun there. Orange Cassidy <laughs> uh, bleeding on a, like a dynamite, like a normal dynamite is nuts to me. It's just like, oh my God. I remember when Cody... And the whole Cody and Dustin thing happened, and they were bleeding, and you know, and Cody got busted open by Sean Spears' chair. Tony's like, "Man, we're not gonna have blood on TNT because you know they don't want us to do that, dude." Someone bleeds every week. Yeah, about that. Cody. <laughs> like, I, I love like, you. So man. Apparently, TNT does not have a problem with it because someone bleeds every week. I love you, but you're full of shit. <laughs> Like, I don't know. See, that's the whole thing. The truth is one thing. The truth in February might not be the truth in April, you know? TNT probably said, hey, 
you know what? Hey, that works. Go for it. You know what I mean? You know, the direction might have changed, but I'm sure, just yeah, saying, I'm just saying, if you go by what he said versus like literally every week on TV, it feels like either they're getting away with it or somebody doesn't have a problem with it anymore. I imagine TNT doesn't have a problem with it. Orange Cassidy, this is crazy because he's such a beloved person. I would have loved to not hear that crowd if, if that happened in front of her choir. Oh, I, dude. Stunned silence. The crowd would have been silent. Well, plus all the people that were complaining that, like, oh, why are you cheering Jericho? He's the heel. You beat up Orange Cassidy like that, nobody's going to like you. Like, people are going to be like, oh, fuck you. You hurt OC and you busted him open? Like, what the hell? Yes. Like, you can only imagine how pissed people would have been that you that they just destroyed Orange Cassidy. I've seen, I've seen some silly feuds happen in my life, but the fact that they're feuding because Orange Cassidy walked through their shot during an interview, that is amazing to me. That is yep. that's a, I I busted you open because you walked through my shot on a TV on a during an interview. That is hilarious. And because I asked for Tyson and I got you. Yes. So. He, he did come out and he did answer the baddest man on the planet. But he could have just been walking that way, you know, and then somebody hit the music, you know. He might not have done that on purpose. Never know. <laughs> Never know. But I will say, like, you got some emotion out of a out of a feud with a comedy wrestler like Orange Cassidy and, like, like some legit heat off of that. So... That's good shit. I'm very much behind that, and I I'm very excited to see where this very weird but very intriguing feud is going on in the future. Yes, I uh, forgot. What? Oh, go ahead. No, you forgot to say what? I forgot to say uh, earlier there was a video package with my boy Darby Allen. I didn't want to leave him out. He actually got to do a video package with Tony freaking Hawk, which was cool. He just said he's not medically cleared, but he didn't need a doctor's note to skate with Tony Hawk. Which was super cool. He just did a bunch of tricks with uh, Tony there, which I thought was really cool. I'm not a skater, but you know what? I love Darby, so I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, we- uh, yeah, I, I freaking love Tony Hawk. Yes, uh, I, I even back in the day, I used to play the video game, even though you know I didn't. You know, I've never been on a skateboard in my life. So <laughs> yeah, well, there you requires, go. We all we- it requires balance. I don't, I don't <laughs> do that. But after that, Tony Schiavone was going to interview Gun Club. MGF decided to be an ass, which isn't really a shocker. But he, he went after uh, Bill Son, Billy Sons. Billy was not happy about that. He tried to grab MGF real quick, but then sent Wardload in front of Bill, Billy. So, yes, that... Yeah, that, that line about getting one of your uh, useless sons... Uh, getting one of your useless sons a job, I died. Oh, my God. I guess, you know, that's not supposed to be funny. Oh, my God, that hurt my stomach. That was so funny. Oh, yeah, it was so good. And after that, we had the Spanish god Sammy Guevara taking on Boom Boom Colcabana. I was really excited to see this matchup because, I, like I said, I love Sammy. He's been he's been one of those guys that 
I didn't think anything of when I first saw the roster for AEW, but once he got on and he, as he kept going, I just kept loving him more and more and more. And I've always loved Cole. I think Cole's great. And just seeing these guys put on a match, I was, I was excited to see these guys work together, and it was a really good matchup. Um, maybe a little shorter than I wanted it to be necessarily, but you know what? I was okay with it, and it was still a fun match to see. Uh, what'd you think, Floyd? Yeah, I thought this was uh, really good. Um, I, I liked that they're doing this whole idea that Colt is in a bit of a slump and that it's not... It, the commentary's doing a great job of pointing out that it's not that he's not good enough. It's that he keeps making mistakes at key points in time. Like he was going for his Chicago skyline and he slipped off the rope. And then that's how Sammy Guevara was able to reverse it into his finisher. How he was uh, wrestling Jericho and he does that little catapult off the con- corner to build momentum. And he slipped and that's how Jericho hit him with the uh, Judas effect. That is, you know, that is very, uh, very detailed storytelling. And the match was good. It was just really short. I, I would have, I would have liked a little few more minutes of this match. Yeah, but what we got, I think, was good. I do like, like I, like you said, I do like seeing Cabana, like, cause Cabana's been wrestling for so long, and like having this guy who's like he gets this opportunity on this new brand, but all of a sudden, like, he's starting to feel like not himself and now is just starting to doubt himself it seems like is a really cool is a really cool way of seeing him like just slowly change and like we don't know exactly what's going to happen because after that match he did actually go into uh, Mr. Brody Lee's office and just didn't really answer any questions to uh for uh for the for the backstage interview but I, also after this match oh go ahead yeah i was just saying i compare him signing with AEW and, you know, maybe changing his character because I'm seeing what Joey Ryan's doing in Impact where he went from the King of Sleeves to part of cancel culture. So it's like, I like that these people that have been doing these certain characters their whole career are at least open to trying to change things. And it's like, I don't know if this is going to go full Colt Cabana in the Dark Order, which, again, that's one of my favorite things is that when I'm intrigued just by a storyline and don't know the ending or if it's just going to lead to a full-out feud with Brody Lee. But I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming next. Yeah, no, same. And then after this match again, we also had Matt Hardy come out as Sammy was going off on the microphone saying that he was the best in AEW, but then Matt Hardy comes out. And he just comes out saying, like, hey, I I respect you. I think you're the future of this company. But listen, if you want to maximize your full potential, if you want to be the best that you can possibly be, you got to get away from Jericho in the inner circle. Just saying, like, trust me, man. Sammy didn't want to hear anything of it. He's like, you were cheering me on about to die at that, at that, at that uh, stadium st- stampede match. Matt Hardy then was just slowly changing and shifting through his different vessels until he eventually ended up at Damascus and was just saying, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to mash you, Samuel. Just screaming delete over and over and over again. So it seems like part of Matt is like, listen, you'll be great if you leave the inner circle, but if you're not going to leave the inner circle, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) Exactly. There's three different parts. There is Matt, 
the Matt is Matt Hardy is the the leader, the locker room leader, the veteran. He's trying to take as many young people under his wing and show them the right way. Um, V1 just wants to talk about himself. He doesn't really care who else is there. He just wants and his to, and his and his attitude facts. Yeah, he just wants to tell you how awesome he is. And uh, then there's. Uh, Damascus, who just wants to kill everybody and everything, and he's the one that actually ran over Sammy. That's why Matt Hardy's like, you know what? We're cool. Now, Damascus, he'll fucking murder you, but we're cool. Which is even crazier when you're Sammy, because it's like, you're all the same guy, and he's like, obviously they're not. <laughs> I do really like, because I love Broken Matt Hardy, but I, 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 I'm also really intrigued with this sort of Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation that they're going with Matt's different uh, characters. Because I, considering how long he's been around, that's, it just seems like fucking genius. See, now, I can say this. This is what I would have liked. Like, I know for some people this is just not their cup of tea. I don't like him changing, like, in front of people. I would have Yeah, liked, you know what? Yeah. Yeah, I would have liked Matt Hardy trying to reason with him. And then they had a like a pre-taped video of Broken Matt trying to kill him. <laughs> so yeah, or like or like something like the lights turn yeah, off and then all of a sudden it's Damascus standing in front of him. Yes, but yeah, it just looked like he was having mental, you know, mental health issues. It's like I would normally, if someone did that to me, I would see about taking them to a doctor. <laughs> like oh, oh yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know what's going on here, but this ain't right. Somebody look at him, please. Yeah, yeah, help him. We then had a video package of Joey Janela, who is at the bar doing sh- at a bar doing shots, just talking about his AEW career and just saying somewhere in these last six months he's kind of just lost his direction and his focus. He's drinking alone out in the street, but then Sonny Kiss actually drove by and picked him up and offered a ride, and then it just kind of ended with a to be continued. So. We've seen them team. I'm not sure exactly what this is building towards, but, I mean, again, I'm intrigued. I don't know exactly what we're going to get out of this, but I like seeing Joey Janela. I'm digging Sunny Kiss, so we'll see what happens. I'm very excited for this because I originally, I remember the Sunny Kiss and Dustin Rhodes team that people had given the name Kiss and Make Up, and I was really looking forward to where they where that went. Now, a Sunny Kiss and Joey Janela thing, Man, now that is intriguing. I want to know, are they going to be a new tag team? How are they going to assist each other? Both, but the thing that makes them both happen is it's going to lead to more time for Sunny Kiss on TV. I, can you, everyone can bury me. I'm not the biggest Joey Janela fan anymore, ever, at all. I'm just, he does nothing for me. So, I, hopefully, maybe this brings out a different side of him. Maybe I become, he becomes someone that can entertain me. Yeah, we'll see. There's, it's definitely good to see uh, things maybe changing. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, and there's just, um, yeah, it's going to be intriguing to see what happens. Yes, but I keep an open mind to Joey Janela. I have never written him off. It's just, Which I is good, I've cause... seen him wrestle, and it's just like, he falls off. I mean, off. look, man. I just throw up my hands and say he falls off stuff. That's what I say, and it's just like, I guess, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like what a lot of people used to think about Mick Foley, and I'm like, but no, you don't get it. It's the story. Maybe I just need more of Joey Janela's story. 
That's what I'm thinking. I think once you get more of that, I think you'll really start to get into Joey because I think Joey's great. We then had John Moxley show up and get interviewed by Alex Marvez, but he just was tired and tired of Taz and uh, running his mouth about Brian Cage. He's just like, I'm like, I'm sick of this. But he's like, he can't wait. He said specifically, I can't wait to beat Brian Cage and then pop Taz's head like a pimple. And Taz then comes out, just says, enough of this. You better get your head right because you're going to tap out at Firefest. But then Brian Cage just comes running from behind and hits Moxley from behind and then just puts him through the hood of a car. Uh, it breaks the glass of the hood of a car and just with a spine buster and then just, yeah, he beat the hell out of him in the parking lot. But I will say the running clothesline that started off, boy, just didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to because I was like, he's coming in and he's like, I can see him running from from behind the camera and I'm like when I see something coming like that I expect it to hit hard like kind of like when Hangman was running down the field building for the stadium stampede match I was like I need it to hit if I if I can see him coming from a mile away I need it to hit and it just didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to and it's not like I don't I, it's not like I don't like Mox I fucking love Mox but I was just like I wanted that to hit so much harder <laughs> but yes. I Brian can, Cage yeah I can got, see what you're talking about there yeah Brian Cage beat up Moxley, finally was able to get his hands really on Moxley and just really start to make a big impact there. So we're just keep building towards Fighter Fest until these guys collide. Yeah, what were we going to say about this, though? Oh, no, uh, I was just saying um, it, it actually built a lot of uh, built a lot of intrigue for me personally. I, like, I, we got, what, three weeks away for it, and it was just like it didn't feel like this feud was hot. It didn't feel like this feud really mattered. I think this helped a lot with it. Uh, Brian Cage is one of those people. He doesn't lose very much. So, and then, you know, Mox hasn't lost at all. So something has to give. So I am looking for, did that little segment, you know, it went from like, you know, no fire to they kind of stoked it a little bit for me. I need them to fan the flames over the next few weeks. Yeah, me too. I I feel like that's the same sort of thing. And I think, um, these next coming weeks, I think they might actually pull that off. Then we have the main event, the TNT Championship Open Challenge from Cody. Cody takes on one half of Private Party, Mark Quinn, which I was very happy to see. Actually, Matt Hardy was actually accompanying him as well as Isaiah Cassidy. I thought that was actually a really cool, a really cool moment. But the one thing I really liked going into this match was the fact that Jim Ross mentioned Mark Quinn had his his ankle injury that he had with his match against uh, Matt Hardy made sure to be building that up being like, we don't know if he's a hundred percent going into this thing, but these guys did a really good job finishing off the show. Like we've, we've seen um, private party go in singles competition before on dynamite, but seeing Mark Quinn go into this title match, I felt like people were like, yeah, we've seen private party do singles matches, but I'm they're like, I don't know necessarily for a title, but I think Quinn did a really good job. Um, putting on a match against Cody. It was really good. Um, and it was also nice to see Cody just not... He didn't win with just the the crossroads. He won by getting a really strong, like, just ankle lock on and just cinching it in really hard until the point where Mark Quinn had to tap out because just his ankle couldn't give anymore. Oh, dude. So, uh, dude, that, how he worked the leg and the knee during the match. 
uh, was amazing. Uh, you know, it was Flair-esque. And then you saw uh, that shooting star press to the outside on the apron that he hit on Cody was amazing. Yeah. Uh, the ankle lock, how he, you know, he went for another of the shooting star press. Cody saw it come and then grabbed his ankle, put him in the ankle lock, and then something I hadn't seen, he 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 uh, braced the leg with one of his legs and then pushed back with the other leg. So it's like, I don't know if everyone knows how, you know, strength works. Your legs are way stronger than your arms. And it's like, it's really no way to reverse out of that. You know, you usually can jiggle enough to get somebody to let their grip, but the way he had his uh, ankle bent, there was nothing you can do but tap out. I just thought this was a really good match. Uh, you know, uh, and one thing about it is they haven't been doing traditional, uh, you know, open challenges. You usually know who the match is before the challenge is actually open instead of like the old Cena open challenges where he's like, the Cena open challenge has begun and then somebody comes out. This is more of you already know who the open challenge is going to be. Apparently, next week, which we'll talk about later, it's going to be like the true open challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we also got to see a little bit of a um, sneak peek of another future challenger for the TNT Championship because after this match, Jake Hager walked out and he got in front of Cody's face, but then he also proceeded to grab Arn Anderson, put his hands on him, and Cody was like, absolutely not. But then Cody just, he was... He just went through a match. Hager was beating the hell out of him. But then Private Party and Matt Hardy come out to to assist Cody. Inner Circle then comes in, and then just everything's going crazy in the ring. Cody knew. He's like, Jake, I know what you're asking. You want a TNT title match at Fighter Fest, so you got it. So at Fighter Fest, we're going to get Cody versus Jake Hager for the TNT Championship. And hell yes. Like, this is a this is a matchup for this title where you're like, I'm not sure about this one because, like, we saw what Jake did to his brother. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen with this one. uh, It's kind of crazy with this. Like, I don't know. The ending kind of felt forced. A little bit. Yeah, I was going to say the the all-out brawl was kind of... Yeah, it felt almost unnecessary. If Jake Hager, Hager came out and said, Cody's doing the opening challenge, J.K. can come out to the uh, uh, the stage, points at him, says, me, you, Fighter Fest. And then Cody gets on the mic and says, me, you, and Fighter Fest, let's do it. You're on. And, and the show start, stops with them kind of staring at each other in the middle of the ring. That would have been fine to me. Yeah, I did like seeing him, like, actually get physical with Arn. I thought that was a good moment i thought but i thought just when it all broke out to the inner circle versus matt hardy and cody in the private party and it was just like where it was just like everybody going against everybody i was like okay let's yeah let's yeah i was like eh, i was getting physical with arm it's like i think we have three three more uh dynamites before fighter fest so i feel like probably could have saved that you could have saved well two more it's two more dynamites before Fighter for 17th and 24th, and then Fighter Fest starts. You could have saved him kind of going after Arn, but just, you know, kind of announced the match. I, I can say it's a critique. It's just the end. It's just like most of their ends come from, like, 
the start, you know, like the start or the middle of the feud, it just felt like this one was kind of random. Yeah, but I, I think still the announcement itself is going to be really good. Just no, no, to see no, that match, no, yeah. no. I'm very excited about Hager versus Cody. No, don't get me wrong. I was just, you know, just just a critique. I didn't have a problem with it. I thought the episode. Now that we're at the end, I thought the episode was fire. I don't, I couldn't have literally asked for a better. I couldn't have asked or dreamed for a better episode of show on my birthday. Only thing that was missing was me in the building. I just about to say. I was like, I really loved it. We got a great tag team match. We got a singles world title match. We saw a bunch of feuds leading to new title matches next week. I mean, Kenny and uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny and um, Hangman. Hangman have to fight the Natural Nightmares next week. Two weeks before they have to defend their titles against the best friends. So they got two matches they got to get through. And then the best friends. And this is our. Or a preview of next week. The best friends putting their title shots up, you know. After after Orange Cassidy gets busted up, best friends like we want Jericho, so they're going against Lasex God, and they put their title shot on the line. Yeah, that's huge. And not only that, we're also going to get the Young Bucks taking on the Super Bad Squad, which I think that has the potential to be a really really good match. And then we have MJF taking on Billy after their little altercation, which. Ah, uh, yes, everything, more MJF on TV. Everything leads to something in AEW. Nothing is just It really away. does, yeah. Yeah, MJF insulting Billy. Uh, maybe a dark match against Austin first or something. No, straight net match next week. It's amazing. Exactly. And then, of course, we're going to have another Cody open challenge uh, okay. matchup, which uh, let me Floyd, say, has an in- Floyd has a scoop on this. I have a spoiler. Okay, if you don't want to know, who Cody is wrestling next week. And I won't put it in the show notes, I promise. But if you don't want to know who Cody's facing, go ahead and turn off the show now. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. I'll wait. Five, four, three, two, one. So, reports on Reddit, and then I heard it on the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast that I was listening to today. It's a great reason we the reason I don't mind doing our show a little later than everyone else's. Uh it looks like Cody is wrestling Ricky Starks. Uh stroke daddy himself or absolute Ricky Starks depending on who you are. Uh he was last seen as in the NWA. I believe he was the television champion there. Uh but yeah, stroke daddy absolute Ricky Starks is going to answer Cody's challenge this does answer a, uh, this does confirm a previous question Cody was asked will contenders from outside of AEW be allowed in and it looks like they will so uh, Ricky Starks versus Cody again if you don't uh, if I'm sorry if you kept listening past the spoiler warning uh, I'm sorry but now you know the answer, and it's going to hopefully be really good match. Uh, it was one of the things I was pointed out. Uh, the numbers came out from uh, AEW this week as far as ratings, and they were a little down from last week. And, you know, and they were like, well, Cody's open challenge. I heard some people say Cody's open challenge isn't hitting. And I was like, it's not a true open challenge. I think, uh, think when you get to the open challenge, there's that excitement. For the few seconds or 30 seconds from when he says the open challenge or whatever is open 
and you know the person comes out that's the surprise aspect when you announce that it's mark quinn a few days before let me ask austin is anything in your mind think mark quinn actually had a chance of beating cody no disrespect to mark quinn but no no so and then you got a main event on the other channel right you have a main event on the other channel or you have another show you could be watching where you already know what's going to happen on AEW, it's different. Like next week, and I, like I said, I, I spoil the surprise, but you would at least had that moment, that hesitation where it was like, who's coming out for Cody? And then you would have got that pit, pop when you saw the new guy walk out. Now, win, lose, or draw, you would at least had that moment. And it's just like, I think that's what's kind of been missing from the open challenge as challenge aspect of this yeah and uh, first of all as somebody who has has sadly not been able to keep up with nwa power i'm very excited to see ricky starks on AEW. i have been trying so hard to keep up with nwa power but it's just been too much wrestling just too much wrestling but i i'm doing my best to keep up so i'm very excited about that he's good in the ring but he is a killer promo like he as good as he is in the ring Let's say he's a B in the ring. He's like an A with two pluses on the mic. Ricky Starks is a hell of a promo. I would love to see a feud between him and him and JF. I don't know if that's ever in the case, but they're both so good on the mic, and it's they're so old school with how they cut promos that it would just be a magic to see them together. I'm looking forward to him wrestling against Cody. Cody continuing this killer pace where he's trying to prove to everybody that he is a great entering performer. Uh, you know, so he's doing what he has to do. Love it. Love it. What Absolutely. You, what are you excited about next week, sir? I mean, I'm like I said, I'm excited to see the Young Bucks take on Superbad Squad, and um, I'm definitely excited to see Ricky Starks. And like I said, MJF getting a match like against somebody like Billy who, like I said, he's had he's had stuff against Billy. I remember being at Double or Nothing 1 where he had his little moment with Billy in the Casino Battle Royal match. So these guys are very familiar with each other at least. So I'm excited to see what happens there. And then of course we have that tag title matchup with Natural Nightmares and Hangman and Omega. So I'm there's a ton of stuff to be excited for. But I will say um, in regards to what you said about the open challenge, I do think the biggest thing people want is just that surprise factor of not knowing who it's going to be each week. I think that definitely adds something to it. Knowing in advance who it is going to be gives you an idea to formulate how you think the match is going to go in and if you think it's feasible enough for this person to actually go over and win the title. So I get that, but I feel like they also just don't want to be compared to John Cena's one because I think that was the instant comparison. But, but I don't. the thing I didn't like and... This is a very rare criticism of Cody. I wish he just hadn't said he was going to do open challenge. I just wish there would have just been a match every week. Yeah, he just said, like, I'm just going to face a new person every single or, week. Or no, not even say that. Just have a match every week without announcing it first. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. start, start without setting the standard that it's going to happen every week because then it's going to get compared to open challenge as opposed to if he just, okay, I had a match this week against this person. I got a match next week against this person. And then people will start saying, is he going to defend the match every week? And it answers its own self instead of 
announcing it ahead of time. Not when it's not making it a surprise. It's just kind of letting it develop on its own instead of because once you said I'm gonna fight somebody and he s uses the term open challenge, you're going to get compared to Cena. Oh yeah, sure. Nah, exactly. But either way, yeah. it's still fun to see these title matches. So I think it's just oh, no. I want to well, see Cody on my TV every week. Well, duh. Yeah, duh. but not. Like... not I mean. I know not everybody feels the same way I do, and I accept people for having bad taste. But <laughs> when when the nightmare is on my screen, I am watching. I am focused. It is phones down. If you noticed, like I was tweeting through the whole show, Cody comes on, phone goes down. Oh yeah. I watch Cody. Cody. Cody got to work. You got. You know. It is like when you got to watch a great stand up on stage. You you, you turn your phone off. When you when you watch you know watch an artist paint or you're at a, a, a at a play you know you sit there and you give that art your full attention. When Cody's in the ring painting another masterpiece, he gets my full attention. There you go, man. There you go. And overall, that's just this week in AEW. And I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Real quick before I let my buddy Floyd sign us out of here, be sure again to follow us all on social media. Follow the podcast at AT Elite Pod. Follow Social Suplex at Social Suplex. Follow myself at SZoomer4. And follow Floyd at Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, take us home. Yes. As the great uh, Jackie Moon said, uh, Jackie Moon said of the Flint Tropics once Thank uttered. Thank you. I'm a Flint boy. Thank you. There's only one rule in this world. Everybody love everybody. But whether you're at home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. credit card bill.